Facebook is still struggling. It's, it's funny, uh, you know, like compared to other platforms, Facebook is not the greatest. Interestingly enough, uh, YouTube's probably YouTube or Twitch. But anyways, we'll just keep this one off Facebook and have to live with it. So welcome, welcome, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Going to be talking about the love of the Lord God of Israel and why it is wise to follow the ways of God, right? There are many aspects to the prophets, right? And we, as Christians, right, we should be choosing, selecting a few of the aspects, a few of the merits of the prophets to focus on and grow in our lives currently, right? What we're focusing on today, maybe pick three to five aspects of the prophets, right? Joshua, you'd have courage, bravery, right? David, you'd have mercy, wisdom, Solomon, wisdom, you know, hard work, etc., etc., etc. Jesus is all love. Interestingly enough, even though Christ is telling these parables, like, it's better to cut off your right hand than it is to sin. Because if you keep on sinning, your entire body might be thrown into hell. And this is a very fascinating parable, right? By examining, oh, sorry, excuse me. By examining this parable, you can, you can refute many false theologies that are out there just in that one parable. That's the power, that's the potency of the teachings of Christ that you read a parable and you start scratching your head as to some teachings out there that uh, might not align with what Christ taught, right? Understanding this is very important. See, as Christians, we follow Christ and Christ first, right? So if at a time in our lives, there must be a point where you enter a temple and overturn the tables, then so be it, right? If, if at a certain time in our lives, right, there must be a point where you tell someone, excuse me, it would be better if you cut off your right hand and threw it away rather than keep on doing what you're doing right now and have your whole body go into hell. Right. Or you'll have, you'll find, and these are, these are the powerful teachings of Christ. You know, they are, they are the foundation of actual Christian faith, right? Today, a lot of people call themselves Christian. A whole lot of people call themselves Christian, but, uh, Christian means by definition of Christ, right? It means that we follow the loving ways of Christ first 70 to 80 to 90 percent. That is what we focus on, right? And you have to have Christ as one of the prophets, right? That you're aspiring to be like. It doesn't work uh, without Christ. Without the love, right? The uh, warrior prophet uh, Joshua, without God, without uh, Christ would just be some tyrant, right? But Joshua had the love of Christ. So he knew, right, how what he was supposed to do, what he was uh, set out to do, what he was called to do by God. And he did it, right? But he was not.
but he was not uh, distracted or stopped. He was not uh, satiating his own power, right? He wasn't just doing it for his own power. He wasn't just doing it for his own glory. He said, I may be doing these things as with all the prophets, right? I may have to go fight this battle for God. I may have to go win this victory. I may have to go do this difficult thing for God. But at the end of the day, all the prophets knew who they served. They served God and God alone first and foremost. And they would not let God go. None of the true prophets let God go. Uh, Saul, King Saul, is really only one of the only people in the Bible that you see that was really chosen. God put a lot of faith in. He thought Saul was going to work out, but it turned out Saul was a bust. More for me, said King Saul, none for you. And that's the definition of opposite to Christ, right? It is betraying God. See, first and foremost, the prophets serve God. They do the will of God and they seek it as if it was the core, the very core of their being, right? As if it was important, as if, as if it was as important as the breath in their lungs, as the air that they need to breathe and survive because you cannot survive without God, right? Here one moment, gone the next. This is the nature of mortal man. And so understanding that God is calling us to do something, understanding that God is calling us to grow, to raise ourselves up, right? And this is not an overnight process, right? I prayed yesterday for courage. Today I have a, a godly amount of courage. That's just not how it works, right? Uh, in the books of Judges, uh, the it, it says the Bible says that God raised them up, prophets. He raised prophets, right? I.e., God had been walking with these people, leading them to the point necessary to become warriors for the Lord God of Israel, to become those willing to fight on many different playing fields, right? Many different playing fields. So today, right, you see lawyers fighting in the courtrooms. You see cops fighting on the streets. You see men of courage uh, standing up and speaking out. You see uh, people everywhere, right? And it's important, right, in this extremely important to do what the Bible says and get wisdom and seek knowledge because what I see is that sometimes, right, people out of their own self-interest perhaps or some other reason, right, uh, they are, they believe they're doing good when they're actually doing evil, right? They're kicking someone out of their church because they know it's going to make them look powerful and that person well, that person was rude. Wow. He said one rude thing. He's out of here. I'm so powerful, right? You may be so powerful. You may have been wrongly, obviously wrongly, been promoted to a position of power, right? However, you don't look like much to the Lord God of Israel. In fact, 
the servants of the Lord are beloved of God, right? And as Christians, we seek edification. We seek that joy-filled state where God is looking upon us with joy. He sees the deeds of our lives and says, "That's I like that. I like what you do. I, I don't abhor you, right? The Bible suggests that if you are out of alignment with God, if you are doing wickedness, if you are doing evil things in the world, then the Lord God of Israel, he abhors you. Uh, and so understanding, right, the state of righteousness is the state where Christians were good with God. That's what God's talking about. He's talking about loving each other, not using your power to belittle someone else or destroy someone. Now, here's the thing, and this is why the wisdom is so key. To It's such a key part of being a Christian. Someone says something rude and you destroy them. That's not really Christian, right? You know, for example, one time uh, back wait, when I was work, back when I was working retail, right? This gentleman, he approaches me and uh, I'm having a conversation with someone over here. And he says, excuse me once. And I didn't hear him. And I'm still having a conversation with my friend. And he, and he gets very loud and says, excuse me. And he thought uh, I was consciously ignoring him or something like that, but he was angry, right? And he was rude, right? Uh, we were just caught up in the conversation. We didn't really catch that he was, he was there, right? And so uh, I take my, my power, the, what, the knowledge, the wisdom that God has led me to, and I use it upon this man to obliterate him right there and then, right? That's not exactly Christian. And that's not what I did. See, this is why it's so important to get that wisdom. Instead, I, re I realized what was happening in the situation. As we're all trying to reach that point of sort of being able to slyly navigate through our lives. Slyly, morally, right, in a Christian manner. Navigate through the tides of our lives. The storms that God brings us through. This is why God is raising us up. This is why we are being placed through the refiner's fire, being shaped into the exact shape that the Lord God of Israel in all his perfect knowledge is leading us to. That state of exaltation where you will come to the situation. You will be led to a situation. You will say the exactly, <clears throat> exactly the exact right thing. <clears throat> the exact right thing. And... The situation will blossom in your favor. Your life will thrive. Instead of uh, abusing right, the knowledge and wisdom, what God has given me, <laughs> what little knowledge and wisdom God has given me, right? Uh, I, I slowed down and I, I said, hey, ex excuse me, sir. Sorry, uh, we, didn't, you know, we didn't mean to be, be rude. What can we do for you, right? And this is, this is sort of reflected in uh, managerial training, upper level managerial training, right? Where you're actually taught to care about people. You're actually taught to bless people. Even when they're uh, rude and irate about a situation, perhaps, right? Uh, 
one person just uh, chewed them out and now they're coming to you to chew you out, right? And you're like, what? why are you so upset? What's going on, right? This is the nature of reality. This is the nature of the world where a butterfly flaps its wings, right? And lo and behold, it snowballs into the process of the accumulation of wickedness and evil in the land of the United States of America. And if people, right, good people, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is for mankind, good men, to do nothing. Understanding this is extremely important. We stand with God. We stand with the prophets. We stand with Christ Jesus himself. And when we are able, when we are called Christians, we oppose evil. We keep it out of our cities. We do not uh, let wickedness take over the land. That is foolishness. That is opposite to Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus himself asks for justice. There can be no justice without the opposition of evil, right? But it's important to understand, right? Like that uh, gentleman was being rude to me and he's shouting at me, right? That's not, that's not evil. No, not even close. He's just being rude. Maybe uh, if you were seeking to correlate that with some biblical terminology, you would correlate it with the word trespass. You know, you're, you're like, well, what's wrong, man? Something small, something very small, a trespass, right? Sin would be the second step of that ladder, a trespass, a sin. Oh, actually, sorry. It's actually a trespass, wickedness, a sin, evil. And then uh, the worst, of course, is the demonic, right? And uh, understanding these uh, types, these different levels of wickedness, these different levels of sinfulness, it's extremely important because we do not uh, tolerate certain things as Christians. As you can see, the judges were raised up to oppose evil, right? Wickedness is like, I don't know, someone stole, stole an orange juice container. It's not really evil, but it's just, uh, it's wicked. It's, it's getting to the point where if you don't do something, your entire society will collapse. So understanding uh, this is, is very important, right? But, right, it, it's funny because in this same phrase, let me pull it up. Christ asks for uh, justice, faithfulness, and mercy, right? And so justice, there is no justice without mercy. Without, without mercy, there's only wrathfulness, right? Uh, you're mercilessly, someone steals an orange juice and you chop off their hand. That is wrathfulness, right? So that's not what we're going for as Christians, right? It is a loving state of rulership, right? Where we are leading and ruling over other people and you will rule. Deuteronomy 26, I believe, states that you shall rule many, but none shall rule over you. So why is it that today so many Christians have forgotten these ways? Why is it today that so many Christians are ruled over instead of ruling. (sighs) 
the ways of the Bible will lead you into sort of becoming a, into the position of a benevolent rulership. You will have a area of power. And when people come up against you in that area of your power that God has given to you, and they step too far. And it, this is very important, right? As Christians, it's love first, right? So if someone treads on us, you say, hey, what's wrong? How can I help you, right? They tread on you again, right? Maybe get distance. You say, hey, I think we need to take five minutes. This conversation's not going so well, right? Three, right? We try and communicate. We try and bless them. We try and heal, et cetera, et cetera. Being uh, sort of rebuking people is not our first and foremost gear. It's not the first and foremost gear that Christians are looking to use, right? Christians are going around looking to rebuke people. That's not how it works. That's not how it is. Christians are going around looking to love and bless people. But if they need a rebuke, hey, we do that too. Christians are called by the apostles to rebuke people after, right? After we love, after we try and heal, after we try and lead them, right? But if they won't come, right, there are other parables for that sort of behavior, right? And so when people have tread on you too much and they're stepping into your realms of power, right? Here's an example. As a Christian manager, you're trying to uh, get an employee to do something. You say, Hey, hey, Bob. Hey, Joe. Uh, I, this and this and this need to get done. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Which would you guys like to do? You guys go ahead and choose, right? I'll tell you, nobody likes being told what to do. You could go up and tell Joe, hey, you do this, you do that. But people don't like being told what to do. So it's much better. It's much wiser to ask them to do it. Joe, hey, would you mind? Hey, Joe, Bob, this and this need to be to get done. Uh, which, which would you guys like to do, right? Let them choose. Great. They have power. You have power. This is what a leader does, right? A leader does not pick them up and drag them. A leader does not beat them into a pulp. That's a tyrant, right? And a tyrannical rulership is opposite, 100% opposite to Christ. It is pure evil, right? So understanding, uh, this sort of benevolent, love-filled rulership, right? You're making sure that they feel powerful. You're making sure that they feel good while we are leading them and making sure that the things get done, that what needs to get done gets done and gets done to a level of exceptionalism that is consistent with Christ. Uh, and so let's say Joe and Bob, they say, no, we're busy. Well, then you can say, you know, you give them a, give them a minute. You say, well, what are you, what's, what are you doing? We need to get this done, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can try talking, you can try persuading, but still we're not just into that jump down their throats place. Right. But at some point, right. A Christian ruler is still a ruler, right? The soldier does not bear the sword in vain. The ruler's scepter is not there just for show. Right. A manager still, it is your job. It is your assignment to get the works done. Right. 
to rule over your house, to make sure that your house is in order. Your assignment. Yep. And so if the house is in disarray, it is the head of the house's problem. It is the head of the house's responsibility. And oh, they're, they're not doing it right. And so at some point you say, hey, Joan Bob, I'm the manager, right? You got to get these things done in a nice, kind, loving way. And it, it continues to sort of escalate. But can, can you fire someone as a Christian manager? Yes, absolutely. But right as a Christian manager, what we like to treat our employees as, what we like to treat people as is precious, loved, our beloved sisters and brothers that we want to teach, that we want to lead, that we want to bless, not just taking advantage of people, not using our intellects that God has blessed us with to rule over and take advantage of people who may be of lesser intellect. That's not the way. That's not the way. And the way, by definition, the way means Jesus Christ. It's not the Christian way. It's not the way to lead your life. It will not lead you to a life of exaltation and happiness if you step outside the ways of God. I guarantee you. And so understanding that all these sort of nuances, these little details are contained in the Bible. They're reflected in the prophets. They're displayed all throughout the Christian faith, Christianity, right? But it's very easy to overlook them and not take them and apply them to your life. But that is one of the keys that is necessary to unlock the full potential of the Bible. You see, when you apply the Bible to your life, your life's going to start changing. It's going to be much like you stopped driving a tractor through your life and you hopped in a Corvette and started going 80 instead of going five miles an hour. You, well, Christ suggests that if you take a parable, if you take a, a mustard seed of faith with you on your journey and you point it to a mountain and you tell that mountain, jump, that mountain will jump. All things will become possible for you. You see, all things are possible with God. And you have to understand that these practices are extremely effective. And once you start working with them in your life, once you start applying them to your life, you'll understand what working with God is like what it was like to walk with God in the Garden of Eden as Adam did. You will understand the, the meaning of what it means to walk with God, to know God's favor upon your life, to know the state of righteousness, to, be, to become that unstoppable force. And it takes time, right? I, like I was saying in the beginning, it's not a snap of the fingers thing, right? But the first step is to start, right? You start walking with God. You start pressing into the scriptures. You start getting the sin out of your life. You see, if someone tells you, hey, I really don't like sin, and you love that person, well, the first thing you're going to start doing is getting that sin out. You're going to say, yep, 
I see that this is sinful. Yep, I see that. Wow, this aspect of my life, I'm real. I really struggle there. I really have a problem there. I really need to identify it, look at it, and I need to get it out because it's holding me back from my dreams. It's holding me back from the Lord God of Israel, raising me up to that state of exaltation that I seek, right? That all mankind seeks, all mankind seeks exaltation in one way or another, right? But uh, very few will find it because very few are willing to lay down their life, take up their cross, lay down their own ways to take up God's ways instead. Very few are willing to stop chasing their own dreams, to start chasing the dreams of the Lord God of Israel. And when you do that, when you seek first the kingdom of all righteousness, all things will be added to you. All things will be added to you. And when you start to realize, when you start to walk down that road, right, the road of the Bible, when you start applying the ways of the Bible to your life, you start to see how that makes sense. You start to see how the parable of the mustard seed makes a whole lot of sense. You start to see how the, the well, when Christ says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all righteousness, you, and all things will be added to you, you start to see how that makes perfect sense. You start to see just how insanely powerful the Lord God of Israel is. You start to see that if God wanted to, the second God wanted to make you a millionaire or a billionaire, you would be a millionaire or a billionaire. The second God wanted you to be the ruler of a nation, you would rule that nation. And for some of us, that is where God is leading us. And, and others, right, sometimes, as you can imagine, right, uh, man has this very interesting flaw where they look at something and say, hey, that looks great. I want that. And then you get it and you say, wow, that really, that was really a horrible. Uh, that wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Or, right, that was really horrible for me. I never want to do that again. I shouldn't have tried that, right, uh, et cetera, right? The dream is only a dream until you get it, right? And sometimes, right, in life, right, we'll start walking towards a dream and you realize, you say, you know, now that I'm looking at uh, that dream of becoming a professional gambler, I've walked down the road for about a week <laughs> and I'm done with it. That's just not for me. I don't like what casinos do to people. I don't like the spiritual presence in a casino, something like that. Who knows? Uh, but understanding these things, right, not all dreams are for all people, right, etc. Not all dreams are good, etc., etc., right? It's very important, right? So in your life, be sure when you read a, a verse of the Bible, right, Christianity is reading the verse, seek wisdom and get knowledge, and then doing it, right? Not just reading the verse, you know, seek wisdom, get knowledge. Okay, all right, back to, back to Stranger Things season four. No, that's not Christian. It's opposite to Christianity. It's disobedience to God, actually, in excess, right? We Christians, we get leisure, but in excess, right, it is, it's disobedience to God, right? Uh, most excess is disobedience to God, right? So always remember the love of Jesus Christ. That's the core. That's what we are uh, focusing on all the days of our lives. That is why God is telling us to seek wisdom and get knowledge out of love. 
And that's it for the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Blessings on each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day.